Friday, it will be 11 years since I began hosting Open Line. How in the world did that happen? Stay with me. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with me, Michael Rydelnik, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. My name, as I said, is Michael Rydelnik. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. So glad to be sitting around the radio kitchen table with you live right here from the campus of Moody Bible Institute. You may have noticed last week, if you listened, we were taped. And that was because it was the holiday weekend. It was Passover. It was Good Friday. It was uh, Resurrection Day. As a result, we were taped. But this week, we are live. So if you have a question about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life or the spiritual life, if you have any question like that and you'd like to call, here's our phone number, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Trisha McMillan is our producer, handling all things technical today. Our engineer, Courtney Young, and answering the phones is Charles Coletta. Well, time to go get yourself a cup of coffee and open your Bible. We're about to study the scriptures together. But before we get to your questions, I'd like to talk about our 11th anniversary. Many people ask me how in the world I became the host of Open Line. Uh, they wonder about that. <laughs> Frankly, so do I. How in the world did that happen? But uh, I thought it would be fun to fill you in on how this happened. Uh, everyone has questions about the Bible. Age doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. The state of your spiritual condition doesn't matter. We just all have questions about the Bible. Regardless of where we're at on our spiritual journeys, when we encounter the Scriptures, we all have questions. Uh, even, even I, when we read the Bible, we have questions. And when we study the Bible, that sends us off to look at Bible dictionaries and commentaries and uh, all sorts of Bible study aids so that we can figure out the answers to those questions. If we're desperate, we call my friend Michael Van Lanningham, and uh, if he doesn't know the answer, then I call my friend Larry Feldman, who knows the answer to everything about the Bible. And uh, even then, sometimes we don't have all the answers, but that's what we do. We all have questions when we study the Bible. I was once teaching I had a neighbor who said she wanted to read the Bible with Eva and I, but no Old Testament. She didn't want any of that, no Old Testament. And I said, okay, just the New Testament. We read the first verse. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's David? Who's this Abraham? It doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, she knew nothing, and, and she had questions like that. We had to go to the Old Testament. I have another friend who has written Bible study books, She's followed Jesus for 75 years, and periodically I will get a written question from her. She'll call or write, and she'll some technical question about the laws of the Levites and the priests uh, or a question about some obscure prophetic text. From seekers to new followers of Jesus, from growing believers to mature teachers of the Word, we all have questions about the Bible. And that's why Moody Radio had open line for many years with Pastor Donald Cold, used to be on in the evenings. Uh, before that, he had a local program for Moody Radio called Ask the Pastor, and then he fu fully retired, and there was uh, open line sort of uh, went away, 
and they needed someone to do, answer questions on the local program here, the morning sh- show in Chicago. And so they got a rotation of uh, professors to come in every week on one day and answer questions for a few minutes. And that was kind of fun for me. Uh, the only qualification we had, I think, to do that was willingness to say, oh, that's a good question. Don't know the answer to that. I'll get back to you. Uh, and uh, then they asked me if I would come on every week for an hour and answer Bible questions. And I was really willing. I said I was glad to do it, but why me? And the local radio producer said to me, well, all the other professors come on and they do a great job answering questions. They're moody professors. And uh, what they do is they listen to the question and then they pause for three or four seconds to gather their thoughts, to think about what they're going to say, and then they answer. And three or four seconds on radio is dead air and that's not good. You're the only professor that talks without thinking, which has been the bane of my existence my whole life, just talking too much, too fast. But uh, apparently it worked on the radio. And then after several years of doing that, uh, Moody Radio decided that it was important to get a Bible Q&A program on the network for all the different stations that wanted it instead of just the local station. And uh, the vice president of Moody Radio at the time told me, well, we're going to get, Michael, it's not going to be you. We're going to get someone famous. Of course, desperate times call for desperate measures, and uh, none of the famous people they approached wanted to do this on a Saturday morning. Uh, And uh, therefore, uh, they said, okay, we've got nobody else, and so it's you, Michael. And I got to try this out. And uh, we were on the local station here in Chicago for six months. Then we went on the network, and uh, that was 11 years ago that we started, uh, April 21st, 2012. It's, it's kind of fun when I think about that. Uh, people ask me what it's like to answer questions. Some questions are pretty routine. We get the same questions frequently. Uh, some questions, I'll say, well, that's a hard one. I remember someone asked about the, the numbers in Ezekiel 4. I said, oh, I got to go study that one. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't answer off the top of my head. Uh, and then some questions, I think, are unknowable. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, uh, that the the things revealed belong to us, but the things that are not revealed belong to the Lord. They're mysteries, and we can't know them. So sometimes people ask questions, and I just say, the Scriptures haven't told us, we just don't know. And that's okay. Uh, I remember someone once asked me, it describes in Revelation 19, that the Lord Jesus, when he returns, will have a name on his thigh that he alone knows. And I said, yes. And they said, what's that name? He alone knows. It's a mystery. I don't know what the answer to that is, and uh, I'm okay with that. Uh, So anyway, I want to say thank you all for sticking with me. Some of you have been with me right here on Open Line for 11 years. Some of you have joined in the last year. Uh, I'm so grateful for all of you. Uh, I thought at the beginning when I started this, the only one that would ever listen is my wife, Eva. She listens faithfully, but uh, sometimes even joins me. But uh, it's, it's very cool when I think about it, uh, that we've been studying the Bible for this Bible study across America, uh, and I just always tell you, keep reading the Bible because we'll have more questions and we get to talk about it on the program. Now, uh, with me for a number of years now, so people, people always like, uh, who are their favorite people on Open Line? Not me. It's we love Eva when she guests. We like it when Van Lanningham's here, but everyone always says they love Tricia. 
Uh, and there's Trisha. Trisha. Yes. Uh, you have more tenure than I do with Open Line, don't you? <laughs> well, only in the full, full thing of it. With this iteration, I have been on since 2016. But I did, I produced for Pastor Cole um, and Wayne Shepherd and then Chris Fabry for the last year um, for eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and you're way younger than me, so that's just amazing. <laughs> you started doing that right out of school, right? I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, now Trisha, you've been with this iteration eight years, you say? Uh, seven. 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 This iteration years. seven. The other one eight. Yeah. Well, uh, we actually worked a little bit together. Used uh, used to be the producer of the commentaries mm-hmm. on the Moody. Back when we yeah. were not Moody Radio, but the Moody Radio Network. Yes. And uh, and I used to go in, I think, about every five or six weeks and do a week set of commentaries and used to produce those. Yes. That's that's when we worked together for the first time. Yep. That was a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. Because I was really bad at it, and you kept helping me, and I just <laughs> I have to say. I'm just there. I say that the job of a producer is to just make the person on the air sound sound good. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was my job, just yeah, to, well, to make you is, sound better. I could write the commentaries. It was doing the recordings that I was bad at, and you would say, it's okay. I can fix everything. <laughs> That's it. So I was, that was fine. Uh, anyway, I, I'm so grateful for your time here. And Courtney's been with us for... Courtney, how long have you been engineering on Open Line? Like five years. Five Wait, years. 2018. Yeah, that's five years. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, what a team. I am just so grateful to God for you guys. And I uh, appreciate it. I know our listeners do. They tell me all the time. So thanks. I guess we better take a call, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's talk with Pinky in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Uh, welcome to Open Line, Pinky. How can I help you? Hi, good morning, and thank you for all you do, the whole team. Thank you. Um, here's my question, because I want to keep it, keep it short for you, for other callers. Are there any, and I'm a Jewish believer and a kitchen table partner. Thank you. Are there any you're welcome. Are there any prophecies in the Old Testament that clearly speak about Jesus's resurrection? Yeah, uh, there's, uh, of course, in Isaiah 53, which is most of us think as a description of his substitutionary atonement, his death on our behalf. Uh, it says that in verse 10, it says he will see his offspring, meaning followers, he will prolong his days. And so that's one idea that uh, that he will, after seeing death, he's cut off from the land of the living in verse 8. In verse 10, he will prolong his days. God will prolong the days. So that means he will come to life again. Also, verse 11, uh, when, it, uh, when it says he will see it out of his anguish uh, and be satisfied. Actually, in Hebrew, it says he will see and be satisfied. And it doesn't say what he'll see, but the most ancient copy of Isaiah that we have, the one from the Dead Sea Scrolls, you may have heard of it, 1948, it's virtually 100% the same as the earliest previous copy of Isaiah that we had from about 1000 AD. So from 200 BC, the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found this copy of Isaiah I didn't, but the archaeologists did, and uh, it's on display in Jerusalem. Anyway, it says he will see the light, referring to the light of life, 
and be satisfied. So that is the, I think that's the actual text, and it's talking about resurrection. And of course, Psalm 16 is quoted in Acts 2 and Acts 13 by Peter in 2, Acts 2, by Paul in Acts 13. Psalms, the Psalms are messianic in the sense that they all point to the Messiah, uh, and that's something we can talk about another time. But uh, in Psalm 16, what it says uh, in verse 2, a lot of versions said, say, I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. But in verse 2, I believe the best and earliest manuscripts say, you said to the Lord. And that's the psalmist turning to the Messiah and saying, this is your message to the Lord. And then it describes all the, uh, that the Lord was the delight of the Messiah in his life. His father was his delight in life and his deliverer in death. In verse 10, it says, uh, you will not abandon me to Sheol. That's the place of the dead. You will not allow your faithful one, a very common title for the Messiah, to undergo decay. In other words, what the Messiah is saying here in this first person psalm, uh, he is saying, God, I know when I die, you won't leave me in the place of the dead, but you won't allow my body to disintegrate and decompose. You will not allow me to decay in the grave, but you will resurrect me. And those are very clear prophecies of the resurrection of the Messiah. Okay, Pinky? Yes, that's great. Thank yeah. you so much, Michael. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to take a break right now. And you know what? Before we take a break, don't hit that music. Turn it off. I, I figure since we've talked so much about, you know, I use this time to talk about how it is I became uh, the host of Open Line and able to talk with you about your Bible questions. Since we're talking about Bible questions, let's talk about our current resource. That's a good idea, don't you think? Uh, it's based on the questions you listeners have asked right here on Open Line. It's called 50 Most Important Bible Questions. This book, I, I wrote it. I took the most frequently asked questions and also some questions that are not asked frequently but that I think are significant, and I tried my best to give easy-to-understand answers for, for everyone, from the seeker to the mature follower of Jesus. Uh, maybe some of you listen all the time. You've never given a gift to OpenLine, uh, and if you'd like to give an anniversary gift now, uh, we'd still like to, we'd like to send you this book just to say thank you. 50 most, important, 50 most Important Bible Questions is yours when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine. Just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember to ask for 50 Most Important Bible Questions when you give. We're going to be right back with more of your questions in just a moment. Again, the number 877-548-3675. Looking forward to talking with you in just a bit right here on Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. Welcome back, America. This is Michael Radonik, and this is Open Line. Uh, people ask me all the time, what's with the kitchen table, Radonik? I always talk about sitting around the radio kitchen table. Well, my wife and I have led a lot of Bible studies in our home, just sitting around our kitchen table 
with everyone holding a cup of coffee and a Bible, and we talk about the scriptures. And when I started on Open Line, I just imagined that we were sitting around the radio kitchen table talking about the scriptures. There were people who listened regularly, and they began to give monthly, and we called them kitchen table partners. And maybe you'd consider becoming a kitchen table partner, or maybe you were a kitchen table partner and you want to start up again. Or maybe you give occasionally to receive our resource, uh, but want to now make it a regular habit. Whatever your circumstance, however you give, we so appreciate it. And remember, if you become a kitchen table partner, giving monthly to Open Line, I'll send you a Bible study moment every other week. It's an audio Bible study prepared exclusively for kitchen table partners, and you'll find it in your email every other week. To become a kitchen table partner, just call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. And you know what? I'd like to talk with Tony in Ketchikan, Alaska, listening to WJSO. Welcome to Open Line, Tony. How can I help you? Good morning, Doctor. Thank you so very much for your service and for everyone. I very much enjoy it. I have a question on uh, Christmas. It is always on December 25th, but then Easter always changed. Like a few years ago, it was in March 27th. Yep. This year was April 9th, and next year will be on in March. And for the sake of me, I cannot find anyone to help me out. Why, why? so, diff- so okay. weeks apart? It it just depends, Tony. It just depends on the Easter Bunny. You know, the Easter Bunny, the Great Easter Bunny, always sits around deciding when to have Easter and the, what would be the best day for a great big Easter egg hunt. And that's no, that's not it. Here's the deal: uh, Easter, or what we would call, what I call, I never call it Easter. I call it Resurrection Day is celebrated, was celebrated by the early church as part of Passover. It was always celebrated on the Jewish holiday of Passover because, of course, uh, the Last Supper, right before Good Friday, was on the eve of Passover. It was a Passover meal. And then Resurrection Day was two-day, you know, they had that, and then the crucifixion on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, And the resurrection happened. And so it was always part of Passover. In uh, uh, the early 4th century, the Emperor Constantine in 325 held the Council of Nicaea. And at the Council of Nicaea, they were dealing with issues of the deity of the Messiah and such. But there was a secondary issue that came up. And the way it is documented in the documents of the church councils is that Constantine asked the bishops that were there to separate the celebration of the resurrection from Passover. He specifically, it was was driven by his hatred of Jewish people. He said, we need to separate from the odious company of the Jews. And so the date was shifted to always fit with a pagan festival, spring festival, that was always celebrated uh, on the first Sunday after the full moon that occurred on or after the spring equinox. So the first Sunday after the full moon occurring on or after the spring equinox. 
And that's when there was a pagan festival. And so they shifted the resurrection to that day. And so that's how it, that's how it got to be that day. Uh, Christmas was decided also early on. I think that was actually copying from a Jewish festival uh, because Kislev 25, which is the equivalent of December 25th in the Jewish calendar, Kislev 25, that's when Hanukkah was celebrated. And so the church uh, actually said, okay, we're going to make that the birthday of the Messiah. We have no idea what day the Lord Jesus was born. So, okay, Tony? That there will be no um, actually month when Jesus was born was in December or springtime uh, under the crucifixion. It will be in the springtime or even the summertime. No, the crucifixion we, we know was always at Passover, so it was springtime. That's that's when it was. Uh, but the date of the birth of Jesus, uh, we we don't know what day he was born. It was just chosen arbitrarily. That's it. It was just chosen on December twenty fifth. Okay. Thanks for your call. Uh, we're going to talk with Jeff in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, listening on WRMB. Uh, welcome to Open Line, Jeff. Looking forward to hearing your question. Okay. Well, um, it's I, I've been thinking about the death, uh, the three days and the three nights in the grave for decades, and I could never decades? get it from Friday decades. You haven't taken a break in decades, Jeff. Say that again? You haven't taken a break for decades nonstop? You've been thinking about this? Well, no. I mean, you know, it's I'm not an everyday thing, you, Jeff. but I, I've been Go thinking on. about it. Yeah. Specifically when Easter is coming around, yeah. I'm going I'm going like three days and three nights in the grave, not from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning. It just can't happen. Yeah. So, so I believe God showed me, uh, first of all, I had to learn that the day begins at evening when the sun goes down, mm-hmm. and and like, it's like. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, stay, Jeff, instead of Jeff, habit. Jeff, Jeff, uh, yes. let's do this. How about I try and explain to you, instead of uh, talking about it like that? Okay, how's that? Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Fine. Okay. There is an idiom that we find in the Bible that would be called inclusive time reckoning. You find it actually in the Mishnah, which is Jewish interpretations of the Law of Moses. Uh, you find it, it's sort of an explanation of laws. Uh, from the, and it, was, it had oral traditions that got codified and written down at about 200 AD. Okay? That's the, okay. the, the Mishnah. Uh, and uh, the... Uh, the the uh, the that had inclusive time reckoning. Also, the 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 book of Esther has an expression that would be inclusive time reckoning. If you remember, uh, Esther asked people to fast for three days and three nights, right? And yet, if you count the days, it was on the third day actually that she went to see the king. And there weren't three days and three nights. So what is inclusive time reckoning? This idiom, and it, you know, an idiom is just an expression, a way of speaking, is that any part of a day counts as a day and a night. Any part of a day. So Friday at sunset, that was a day and a night. Saturday was a day and a night. Sunday morning was considered a day and a night. 
It is an idiomatic expression. So uh, any part of a day constitutes a day and a night. Therefore, any part of three days constitutes three days and three nights. And that is the explanation. It is an idiom. It's not to be taken as a literal 24-hour, exactly a day and a night, but rather uh, an idiomatic expression. Any part of a day is a part of a day, is, a, is considered a day and a night. Okay? Thanks for your call, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, Randy, could you come on for a second now and uh, listening in Tennessee and WMBW? Just go ahead and ask your question, okay? Because I'm up against the clock. Yes, my friend. What year was Jesus born? What year did he die? And how old was he when he began his public ministry? Okay. Uh, I think he began, he was born somewhere. We know Herod the Great died in 4 BC. So Jesus was born sometime before that, maybe early 4 BC or uh, late 5 BC. Uh, And he began his public ministry, Luke says, when he was around 30, not when he was 30, but around age 30, I think he would have been born uh, about uh, 4 BC, so 29 years later, uh, 29 BC is when he began. He was around 30. That was around age 32. And then the crucifixion took place in the year 33, uh, spring of 33. That's the date. And so those are the dates when... uh, when those things happen. We're going to come right back with the mailbag. uh, And uh, Trish is gathering it up right now. uh, And we're going to take questions you've mailed in. This is Michael Rydelnik on Open Line. Welcome back. This is Michael Rydelnik on Open Line. Uh, You know, Open Line takes place right here on the campus of Moody Bible Institute. And I always think it's funny because people think of me as a person whose main job is on the radio. And this is just Saturday mornings for me. My job, my work for 30 years now has been teaching at Moody Bible Institute, which is, I think, one of the greatest privileges a person could have uh, to be part of the Moody Bible Institute and teach students. And I'm always amazed now I've got children of former students. I'm getting a little nervous. Pretty soon I'll have grandchildren of former students. Uh, It's scary. But anyway, uh, I love teaching at Moody, and I love it because our special students. And I I wanted to encourage you if – I know that probably your 16- and 17-year-olds are not sitting around listening to Moody Radio on Saturday mornings, although every now and then I do get a student that said, I used to listen to Open Line with my folks. That's why I came to Moody. but uh, if you have a young person in your life, whether it's someone you're just working with at your congregation or maybe uh, your, your son or daughter or your grandchild, uh, and they want a great foundation for life, and this is what's most important. Moody doesn't just give you an education. It gives you a foundation for life. No matter where you earn your paycheck, what you learn at Moody Bible Institute will help every person become a more effective servant for the Lord Jesus, no matter where we get our paycheck. 
So I just want to encourage you, check out moody.edu. Take a look at our catalogs and all the things there and our programs. It is a great place. And if you're of the age to think about coming to college, coming to Chicago's world-class city, great place to study, uh, and also with the wonderful faculty of the Moody Bible Institute. I can't encourage you enough uh, to take a look at that. And especially, we're the only school, uh, Christian school, that has a fully accredited uh, degree in Jewish studies. And everyone studies the Bible, not just those, whatever, whatever your major is. Everyone studies the Bible. It's a great place to study. Uh, really want to encourage you to take a look at that. And okay, joining me right now with the mailbag after my pitch for Moody Bible Institute is a Moody Bible Institute grad. Double grad, even. Double grad. Yeah. That's Trisha McMillan. <laughs> Trisha, you know what? I think that's why you're so good as being a producer, because you went to Moody Bible Institute. <laughs> that's it. I think it helps in picking the questions and knowing what they're talking about. Yeah. It, it, it for sure helps yeah. to know. Yeah. To and have you were that, a comm major, basis. too, right? I was a comm major, yeah. You, you learned so all that about with radio those there. Skills. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Great. Okay. Well, what do we got here? Okay. Our first question is from Lily. Uh, She wrote us on Facebook and says, as a 43-year-old woman, how can I learn to be a good leader within my church? Can I look at biblical examples like Moses and David and passages that are written for men, like qualifications for deacons, as guidance? Well, let me just say, you know, sometimes women think that leadership doesn't pertain to them because there are some small limitations on women in leadership in local congregations. They're not to be elders or pastors, as I read 1 Timothy 2, uh, 11 through 15. Uh, but I think that women are called upon by God to lead in a variety of ways. Uh, for example, women lead their families in many respects. Uh, that, that's, that's what the point of 1 Timothy 2.15 is, that a woman will find her significance and impact in life through leading her children and teaching them. Also, women will lead other women uh, and teach other women. It says in Titus that women are to teach younger, older women to teach younger women to love their husbands and their families and to model godliness for them. Uh, we Today we're having a women's conference at Moody Bible Institute, and of course there are leaders like our faculty member who is leading this conference, Dr. Pam McRae, who is a wonderful leader of women, and there's just so many ways that women lead that don't think for a second that the, 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 some of those uh, uh, limitations mean that women can't lead. Then the second thing is principles of leadership are true regardless. So there's a lot of uh, regardless if you're a man or a woman. So, yes, study the life of Moses as a leader. Study the life of David as a leader. Uh, there's, in fact, I once did a whole series on... David's life on the run, because I believe that when David was living life on the run, he was learning how to sit on the throne. He was learning lessons of leadership while he was fleeing from Saul, so that one day when he sat on the throne, he would follow through and be a more effective leader. So uh, I think that, yeah, study the life of David. And, uh, uh, you know, there are great books on leadership. I think John Maxwell is noted for uh, books about leadership. Yeah, study those as well. Uh, Definitely, that's the way to 
uh, learn leadership. And also, I would say, find another woman leader who would be a mentor to guide you in developing leadership skills. That's what I would think. Okay. Yeah. All right. I hope that's helpful, Lily, for you and any other women who are listening. Uh, the Called Conference is the conference that you referenced mm-hmm. today, and I'm really excited. They're actually back in person, but it's also online. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't check it this morning. I think it started um, just at the top of this past hour, um, so there might still be an option. If that's something you're like, oh, I want to listen, uh, you could um, do the online option, and I think those videos are available to watch later, but don't quote me. But you can um, link to that. You can search for the Moody Bible Institute called, C-A-L-L-E-D, called conference. So that's the women's conference anyway. I'm really great. excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, great conference. Yeah. Thank you for that, um, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question is from Brianna. She also wrote on Facebook and has been reading the book of Acts. She said, I understand it's written by Luke. So these accounts that are in there, Acts is full of many stories of, of mm-hmm. the missionaries going out and different things. Um, and specifically, I think she's looking at Paul because she asked if Luke went with him when they were on the shipwreck, um, because it's written as if as if he was. He mm-hmm. uses we and us, um, and so it sounds like Luke was with Paul at the time, mm-hmm. but it never says anything in the writings that he was there witnessing Paul talking to King Agrippa in different situations. Mm-hmm. So how much of, of this was Luke actually a part of and how much would have been secondhand, especially with the use of the pronouns? Mm-hmm. Well, to begin with, uh, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts is part two, uh, volume two of, of his history. Mm-hmm. And in Luke chapter one, which is sort of the start of both of them, it says, uh, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence. So Luke said, I am a historian here, and I have written this. And so I think obviously he interviewed people, he met with people, he used documents. He used histo- – there are things that are historical in the book of Acts that were from historical documents of that time. Uh, and an g- example of that is the death of Herod Agrippa in Acts chapter 12. And uh, uh, that – you could read about that in, in Josephus in the Jewish historian. It's almost identical in the description of – how it is that Herod Agrippa died. Uh, So he used all sorts of sources. However, what you see beginning in, for example, in Acts 16.10, after Paul's Macedonian vision, after he had seen the vision, it says for the first time, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to evangelize them. So apparently... Uh, when Paul received the Macedonian vision, Luke joined this apostolic band and was with him. And uh, he he goes through various times, and then they separate, and then they come back together. These are known as the we sections of the book of Acts. And uh, 
you know, we we see them over and over. For example, uh, it says in uh, Acts 20, these men went on a, verse 5, these men went on ahead of us and waited for us in Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. So we have another we section starting there. Uh, so apparently, by the time you get to the journeys of Paul, Luke's become part of the apostolic band, and he will sometimes join Paul and talk about the events that happened when he was present with him. In Colossians 4, Paul, in prison, facing death, uh, says that there's no one stood with him. Uh, you hear me turning pages. Uh, except, and he gives a list of people who stayed with him, who were part of it, and he says in verse, uh, uh, all these different people, and then he says, Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas greet you, telling me that Luke was with him while he was in prison, maybe in prison or maybe just visiting him in prison, but nevertheless, Luke was with him. So that's what the we sections are. Uh, it it It's sort of... Uh, added to Paul's uh, minist- uh, record or the, the record of Luke Acts by uh, personal experience by Luke. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's kind of interesting. It adds the authority of Luke's exp- – per- he's not just a, a historian. Yeah. <laughs> he was a participant. Right. You know? Right. Not a historian – not only a historian, yeah. not only a bystander, yeah. but also experienced yeah. it all too. Yeah, yeah. He's not just an owner. He's a client. You know, yeah. there we go. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. you for that question, Brianna. Okay. Hey, well, thank you so much for sending those questions. And you can always go to openlineradio.org and click on the link that says Ask Michael a Question. Uh, that will give you a play, place to post your question. Trish will put it in the mailbag and we'll get to it then uh, whenever she pulls it up. This is Michael Rydelnik. That was Trisha McMillan. And we're going to be right back with more of your questions in just a moment. Stay right there. Welcome back. This is Michael Rydelnik. You're listening to Open Line. Uh, If you have a question about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life, you may want to call up right now. And the reason is that uh, this would be the time to get ready for next hour because we're in our last segment of the first hour, but you can get your question in now and be ready for next hour. The phone number, 877-548-3675. And one frequent question I get on Open Line is, how should believers think about the Jewish people? Others ask, what does it mean that God chose the Jewish people? Are the Jewish people still chosen? Well, one of our underwriters, Chosen People Ministries, which is an organization that brings the good news of Jesus to Jewish people all around the world, well, they want to help answer those kinds of questions. And they're offering a free book called Israel, the Jewish People, and Jesus. This book explains God's promises to the Jewish people and what they mean today. It shows how God has preserved the Jewish people and uh, how he's brought them back to their own land. It will help us learn how to pray for the Jewish people and how to participate in bringing the good news to them. Well, for your copy of Israel, the Jewish people, and Jesus, just go to our website. That's openlineradio.org. Scroll down, and you'll see a link that says, A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries. 
Click on that. You'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your very own copy of Israel, the Jewish people, and Jesus. Well, we're going to go to the phones right now. We're going to speak with Rita in Hendersonville, North Carolina, listening on the Moody Radio app. How can I help you, Rita? Good morning. Appreciate you so much. I have a question about circumcision of the heart. Deuteronomy 10, 16, it's a, God says, circumcise your hearts, therefore do not be stiff-necked any longer. And then in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, it says, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants. So is it him? Is it us? Is it both and? I just wanted to well, expound on that Well, let me ask you this. What do you think it means to circumcise your hearts? Oh, it's total surrender. It's total dying to self. Yeah. Well, you know, in Israel, they obviously part of the ethnic heritage, the, the covenant with Abraham was physical circumcision. But what God was saying through Moses here, it's not enough just to have uh, uh, gene- uh, genetic relationship, a physical relationship to the fathers, you know, th- through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and your descendants, and the outward sign being circumcision. You need to have a spiritual relationship. You need to share their faith. You need to have a circumcised heart, not just a circumcised flesh. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Has to oh, do. yes. Yeah. And so what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy 10 is, you know, circumcise your hearts, commit your life to the Lord, give your heart to the Lord, right? Right, uh, right. Now, obviously, as you keep reading, you see, as you've read the Pentateuch, and in, you keep reading the history of the Jewish people, uh, that... that uh, what it says is that Jewish people, you can even read about it in Jeremiah uh, as you look at the history of the Jewish people. I think it's Jeremiah 4. Uh, it says, uh, yeah, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, men of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. Otherwise, my wrath will break out like fire. And so... Here it is, a thousand years later almost, in the time of Jeremiah, and Israel still is uh, resting, Judah is resting on that physical descendants from the, from the patriarchs and not merging their spiritual dependence on the Lord with that. So that's why Moses said what he did. In Deuteronomy 30, he's talking about the end of days. And, uh, and it, if you look at it, it's saying... Uh, 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 let's see, verse 4. Even if your exiles are at the ends of the earth, he will gather you and bring you back from there. The Lord will go- your God will bring you back into the land your fathers possessed, and you will take possession of it. He will cause you to prosper and multiply you more than he did your fathers. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart and all your soul so that you will live. Uh, and so what this is saying is that uh, at the end of days, when God regathers the Jewish people, sometime after that, what God will do is he will bring them to a place where it is not just their physical descent from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they will commit their lives to the Lord. They will believe, I believe, at the end of days, the nation will turn in faith to their Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, and put their trust in him and and be forgiven of their sins. And it says that God, in, their, in response to their commitment their faith, uh, he will 
circumcise their hearts. So it's sort of a both and, don't you think, that uh, when we trust God, God's the one, you know, I, I don't think you or I would have believed if the Lord had not opened our hearts to do that. And and that's what that's talking about, don't you think? I yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I kinda I kinda thought so. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted uh just kinda wanted to make sure I looked in the Moody Bible commentary that you had so graciously gifted me some years ago and I do have your book oh, good. as well, but it didn't I Yeah, it, that's this is the first time I've been first time I've been asked this question, Rita. So uh, so therefore, uh, you know, it's not in the book. So- <laughs> <laughs> well, the, fu- the funny thing is I Part came two. through it by reading Philippians 3, 3, for uh-huh. the, we who are the circumcision. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there, of course, in the Bible, uh, Peter was the apostle to the circumcised, to the Jewish people. Paul was the apostle, mm-hmm. Jewish believer, but he was the apostle to the uncircumcised. Don't you think it's interesting... Uh, you know, we, we we often don't talk about that, but the thing about Paul was called by God to reach Gentiles, right? Right? Yes. And, and yet, what does he do every place he goes? First, who does he try to reach? He tries to reach the Jews. Yeah. Here he is, the apostle he to the uncircumcised, people. and yet he gives priority to reaching the Jewish people. In fact, what he said in Romans 1.16 that was that uh, the gospel, he's unashamed of the gospel. Why? is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then he's got that phrase, to the Jewish people first. It doesn't mean in order of preaching. To the Jewish people first means to the Jewish people especially or preeminently. That this message that Paul preaches to the uncircumcised has primary significance primary relevance to the Jewish people, and that's why wherever he goes, he finds Jewish people and tells them of it, about Jesus. If, I don't care who we are, where we're at, I believe that's something, that's something we ought to be praying about and practicing as well. Uh, thanks for reminding us of that, Rita. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's the first hour. Keep listening because there's a second hour of Open Line on most of these stations. If your station doesn't carry Open Line's second hour, you can always listen on the Moody Radio app or on a podcast or online, whatever you like. During the break, check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. has all sorts of great links there. Those links include how to get our current resource, how to become a kitchen table partner, how to get the chosen people resource. Our Bible study across America will continue in the second hour, so stay with us or call 877-548-3675 with your question. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. We'll be right back, so don't go away. 